0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalist. Matt Pagel here once again, not flying the ship solo. In fact, I have a uh, a recurring guest, a very special guest. In fact, the only guest I think that could talk about this particular movie that we're going to be talking about today. That's right. I am talking about hockey correspondent Rob Nugent, back on the podcast. Nuge, thanks for being here, man.
1: Hey, thank you for having me, man. I am, uh, I am pumped to do this. Um I think there is no better person to join you on a uh, a podcast of this sort than I am. Um I have uh been doing research for this thing for the past 15 years. So I am <laughs> well prepared and ready to rock.
0: Oh, perfect, perfect. So we are this is our third installment in the vault. Um even though this is the second episode we're recording, don't worry about that. It's the magic of editing. Um this is our third installment <laughs> of the vault. And we are putting away for safekeeping the 1993 absolute complete and total stoner classic Dazed and Confused is being locked away in the vault. And we are going to tell you why this movie absolutely 100% deserves to be protected at all costs. And like I said, there's no one, there's no one on earth better to talk about this than Rob Nugent, that's for sure.
1: It is, uh, it is one of my favorite all-time movies, without a doubt. I have seen it. Over and over and over, I love it. I read the book about it. Um, yeah, super pumped that we're doing this. When you texted me and said, "Hey, here's my idea for a podcast," I was full go. <laughs>
0: it's it's gonna be a lot of fun, and I'm gonna save obviously a lot of more of these deep thoughts for when we get into it. But really, like as I told you off air, I haven't seen this in like several years, and doing the most recent rewatch, like. It was almost like a totally new movie to me at this age. Just, it's a very, very different experience watching it at this age and thinking about thinking about it like when I first watched it. It just was a very different experience. And I'm really, like, not only do I think that this is, like, a, a lock away and keep safe kind of movie, I think this is, this is, like, what... This is probably one of the best independent films ever made. Ever made.
1: Yeah. It, without a doubt. You know, and this was made... Um on an absolute shoestring budget, right? Um, mm-hmm. Richard Linklater is the, uh, the director of the movie. You know, he filmed it in Austin where he's from. Um, they had basically no budget. They had a whole bunch of people that at the time no one had really heard of. Um, and it just all came together and is just terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, another fun thing is when they made this movie, everyone lived together um in this like hotel for two yeah. or three months while mm-hmm. they were making it. So with the exception of Matthew McConaughey because uh he was from Austin so he was living in his house but outside of that you take a whole bunch of like basically teenagers and early 20s, right? You mm-hmm. put them all in a hotel while you're filming a Stoner movie and just let them run free. Just craziness and chaos, of
0: course. Oh. For sure, for sure. We're we are going to get into all of that um, in depth. This is going to be a really fun episode. But we got to start it off with a little lightning round question. Uh, Nugent, which singular day in your life would you make into a movie?
1: Ooh. Ooh, singular day. So love the lightning round question because, as I'm sure everyone knows, days confused is a single day. Um, right, the whole movie consists of one day. Yep. So um if i had to do one day to make a movie out of i'm going to give you two examples or okay. i'm going to give you two answers i should say here um one of them was in uh 2002 the best concert i've ever been to tom petty blossom 2002 um pure fun amazing it was a whole day we did some pre-gaming we went to the concert had a blast, you know, end up at Denny's afterwards, the whole thing. Like, mm-hmm. but the, the whole day start to finish was amazing. So I would be interested in a movie of that day and to see how that goes. Would love that. The other one that I would throw out there, um, freshman move-in day. First day <laughs> of college. Like, starting with, like, like, the first scene would be, like, we're finishing setting the room up and my parents are leaving. Right. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, as soon as they leave, you start getting into the barley pops and going nuts. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, and just go from there. We, I remember like we went to mm-hmm. uh, a party at the Shamrock House, mm-hmm. which was at Bowling Green, um, Wooster, and Manville, like right over there. I, and it was like, yeah, yeah, it was a greenhouse. It was called the Shamrock House. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, we know they're having this huge party, blah, blah, blah. We get there, there's like 400 people there in like two kegs, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, we're brand new into this. We thought it was amazing. Like, this is so awesome. <laughs> so, um, that whole night, like, that, that was a lot of fun. So, I, that's my two. I would do either the Petty Concert, no two, or Freshman Move In Day.
0: And they would both be 100% on brand uh, with what we're talking about, obviously. Um, yeah, 100%. 100% on brand. I, I think, I think the Shamrock House is one of the houses right there that they tore down like about a decade ago.
1: I I... think you're right. And I next door to it was the igloo. And I wonder if the igloo is still around.
0: I think the igloo is still there, but I'm almost positive the shamrock house they tore down. Now, for those of you not familiar with this, the reason, (laughs) so
1: the shamrock house was just a Mm greenhouse. It was just the shamrock house. The igloo was like a real weird looking white house that was like all stucco with like rounded
0: corners mm-hmm. and it just looked like an igloo and everyone called it the igloo it was it was like this off white color it just yeah it, it had nothing on like no decorations on the outside um it what it looked like it always thought it, it almost looked like one of those like southwest style houses but they just never finished the top part of it yes
1: and, yeah. it, or and it. the igloo was a very appropriate name for it.
0: yep yeah um, yeah, but I, I think the, I will let you know in a couple of weeks, actually, I'm going to go back to Bowling Green. So nice. I will, I will let you know, um, yeah, excellent, I like it. excellent choices. And like you, I'm going to give <clears throat> at least one Bowling Green example, obviously, uh, yeah. we were, we were, you and I were present for a lot of potential single day movie stories, uh, at Bowling Green.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, we were.
0: <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll start with the one, I'll start with the one that you and I were both a part of. Uh, the, the Halloween, the Mario Kart Halloween, uh, where oh. you went as the nun, we had an actual Mario Kart race that, uh, you gave the, uh, you gave the race blessing, like the pregame race prayer, which was fucking incredible. Um, that ended in, that ended in a fight where, um, with Stevens, Kevin Stevens got tackled, right? By some random kid.
1: Yeah. Someone got tackled. It might've been Stevens. That's I think it was Marvel
0: Stevens. Fight. And then like, Everyone else like grabbed this kid and threw him into, uh, um, threw him into Kevin's garage. Yeah. And, and then, so mind you, there's like eight people dressed up like Mario Kart characters, drunk, screaming and yelling at this kid. It must have been the funniest fucking thing to see from the outside. <laughs> and then, uh, the, the, also, whatever. Oh, sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say then, like we were gonna threaten to beat this kid up, and we're like, "What are we like, r- really? What are we fucking doing here right now?" Just told him to get the fuck out. He left. Whatever. Um, but like, that was, that was, first off, the fact that we got, we convinced that many people to actually go as Mario Kart characters, even Luke, who does not do like group Halloween BS, dressed up and like, he was, actually along with it. He was yeah, he was the, um, question mark box. Oh, oh,
1: someone was a cloud where like, when you fall off the edge and the cloud brings you on, I, someone uh, was the cloud with a wand.
0: Um, Freeman, Jason Freeman. Freeman. Yeah, he was, yeah. and he actually did. I, actually, after Kevin got tackled, I think he thought he was, like, fucking around. He went over to Kevin to, like, pick him up because he thought that, like, Kevin was, like, fucking around. Um. Also, I do want to set the scene, like, for those of you that maybe listen to this and weren't there, there was
1: a Halloween party where all these guys, Bagel included, went as Mario Kart characters, like, built the costumes with, like, the little, like, cars around them and everything. Amazing. I was dressed as a nun. I gave a pre-race prayer. Then we waited until everyone was good and hammered and actually had a Mario Kart race in the alley behind this house
0: <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like legitimately one of the most fun part. Like I still, I'm pretty sure I still have that picture as either it's either like right now as like my Facebook background or it just like rotates in every now and then. Um, also the owner of Andy's
1: hot dogs, which was behind the house gave a free hot dog to the winner of the race. Yeah. Yeah. That guy was awesome. And also I, weird. I also remember two cops standing there watching it, like cracking up. Not oh. like, Hey, we need to shut this down. Like this is hysterical. We want to watch this happen.
0: It, yeah. There were two cops who were just kind of like they, cause they came over like right before the race started. I'm sure they saw a bunch of fucking maniacs in this alley, just standing there. They're like, <laughs> okay, we have to, we have to just see what's going on real quick. Um, they came over hammered animals. Yep. (laughs) But, but none of us, like we didn't have any beers on our person. Like we didn't bring them over with us into the alley or anything. And they were just like, so what are you guys doing? Like, we're literally just going to do like a, like a quick circle, essentially a quick circuit up and down this alley. And then like, that's it. And they're just like, all right, cool. Like, go for it. And this is back I know like young kids missed out. Young kids at BG now missed out in the era where the cops did not fucking care. As long as oh, you weren't burning anything down or killing anybody, they did not care. We threw kegs into yeah. the street, stopped traffic, they did not care.
1: Yeah. I it was it was a wild west back then.
0: Yeah. Um and then a oh, real I'll get real quickly. The other option, the 1500 the 1500 shot Jello party. Um, the whole day, because we had like our watermelon bus philanthropy, where we were super drunk at that being obnoxious. And then we stole a whole bunch of trash cans from the university to actually use like to throw shit out we made the 1500 jello shots the at one point in time, I went down into our one roommate's room to get him for something. I don't remember what he was doing, but it went downstairs and and you could see the floor of 24-7, his roof, his ceiling essentially, bowing about two feet inwards. Um, oh. And then for the next, I don't know, until we moved out, we would just randomly find jello shot cups here and there.
1: <laughs> I was not there for that one. That sounds amazing.
0: It was it was amazing, but also like, it, it was it was bad. Like It was amazing, but <laughs> it was bad and not something that necessarily, like, we never had a party that big ever again there because it was just like, So difficult to manage people. There are people. It was amazing if you didn't live there. How about that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. We were, there are people sitting, there are people sitting in our neighbor's back porch, this like old lady's back porch, just getting high as fuck. And I'm, (laughs) and like, upon hindsight, like, whatever. I don't think, I don't think she ever cared necessarily. But I'm just like, why don't, why couldn't you guys just go into the goddamn garage that we have and smoke instead of sitting on your neighbor's porch getting high as hell?
1: Yeah,
0: but yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, exactly. And you and you summed it up correctly. If I didn't live there, that would have been really awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, I've definitely been to a lot of parties where I'm like, "Thank God I'm not dealing with the aftermath of this thing."
0: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, but let's let's get into it. Let's start talking about dazed and confused here. um Just going to give some some background info, which I have a feeling is going to take us a while to get through. Anyway, but. Um, as you mentioned at the top, written and directed by Richard Linklater, um, on, do you actually, do you have the, do you happen to know how much it cost in totality? Because I've kind of forgot that. Oh, I don't, but it can't be much. Uh, right. Uh, not, it's not like it's a huge budget whatsoever. Um, and most of the budget anyway, or not most, but like this biggest single portion of the budget anyway, and we're going to we'll talk about this later, uh, went to the soundtrack anyway. Was securing music yeah. rights. So it's
1: six point nine million. Uh, yeah, which is more than I thought. Actually, was the the full budget for the movie. Yeah. Um, and it it only earned eight million at the box office.
0: Not shocked. This this definitely isn't like, especially nineteen ninety three. Doesn't seem like this would this would kind of break down the doors for yeah. um, for, for this type of movie at all. But it, this was I I I'm guarantee if you were to look up like um. Later VHS and DVD sales it just fucking crushes. I'm sure it does.
1: Oh, a, a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah.
0: All right. So Linklater writes and directs it, and this is where we're gonna get into a lot of stuff here. Um, and, and as you mentioned, we'll, we'll we'll get into depth here. But this is one of those movies. Whenever I do like a deep movie review, I try to like limit the cast. There is no way to limit the important people in this cast. We have to name essentially all of them because they are all. It's again sort of a. Um, I'll, I'll get into this a little bit later. It's kind of a plotless movie, or it's close to it. And plotless movies are just essentially big ensembles, usually, where every character is pretty important. So we have a gigantic cast here. Um, so we'll we'll start, we'll go through it here. We have Jason London as Randall Pink Floyd, Joey Lauren Adams as Simone Kerr, Mila Jovovich as Michelle Burroughs, Sean Andrews as Kevin Pickford, Rory Cochran as Ron Slater, Adam Goldberg as Mike Newhouse. Anthony Rapp as Tony Olson. Sasha Jensen as Don Dawson. Marissa Ribisi as Cynthia Dunn. Dina Martin as Shavon Wright. Michelle Burke as Jody Kramer. Cole Hauser as Benny O'Donnell. Uh, Christine Harnos as Kay Faulkner. Um, Trevor Lawrence as Mitch Kramer. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Wiley Wiggins as uh, Mitch Kramer, but he looks exactly like mm-hmm. Trevor Lawrence. Um <laughs> Ben Affleck as Fred O'Banion. <laughs> Jason O. Smith as Melvin Spivey. Kristen Hinajosa as Sabrina Davis. Parker Posey as Darla Marks. Matthew McConaughey as David Wooderson. Nikki Cat as Clint Bruno. Um, I think I... Oh, one more here. And an uncredited Renee Z- Zellweger as Nessie White, one of the girls in the truck, um, yeah. doing beer bongs uh, with Parker you, Posey.
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, did you hit Parker Posey? Yep. Yeah. But yes, um... And here's the thing: like none of these people were famous at the time, right? You look now, like you've got Affleck and you've got McConaughey, um, you know, mm-hmm. Cole Hauser on Yellowstone, Marissa Ribisi, who's had a long career, mm-hmm. uh, Rory Cochran, who's been in a lot of stuff, Mila Jovovich, uh, you know, Joy Lauren Adams. Like none of these people were famous at the time.
0: Nope, not at all. Uh, I mean, you know, you had um, you had some like a stab I should how did I say? How do I put this? kind of early established young actors. And then this whole wave of people who like, this is the first or second thing they've ever done, ever done at all. And to have this sort of like, this is one of those, like looking back on it, it's almost kind of like, how could this movie not be good? (laughs) Like, how could this movie not be good with top to bottom, just like A-list people, but also just people who've cut out a a really long career acting because they're good actors, um, top to bottom. Did you did you perchance see the list of people that were either auditioned or were like contacted for a part? It's insane. I've seen it before. Um, and it's, so
1: we talked about this off air. You know, there's a, a book called All Right, All Right, All Right. The Oral History of Days Confused. So for someone like myself, like I am a super fan of this movie. So it was kind of a must read for me. If you like the movie, I would highly, highly recommend reading this book. But they go through the, you know, the whole thing. I mean, there were a lot of people that, a lot of very famous people that um, tried to get in uh, and and didn't. And
0: Vince Vaughn
1: being one of them.
0: Mm -hmm. Vince Vaughn was pretty much ready to go as um, Cole Hauser's uh, part. But they just, uh, Linklater just basically said, well, you look like exactly like Ben Affleck. So, yeah. we're you know, like, we just, we, we don't want like, con- you guys aren't brothers. It'll be kind of weird. We have the same type of, you guys have the same kind of personality, the same, like, he's just like, we have to do, go with someone else. um Here's some other people, just real quickly, that are attached. Actually, audition got pretty far into auditions. Mark Ruffalo, Hilary Swank, Will Wheaton, Mackenzie Aston, Jared Leto, Elizabeth Berkley, Denise Richards, Alicia Silverstone, Kirsten Dunst, Jennifer Love Hewitt. Mira Sorvino, Reese Witherspoon, Ron Livingston, Claire Danes, Brendan Fraser, David Arquette, and Ashley Judd were all in this audition circuit as well. That's insane. I mean, it's wild. And think about this. Like, what if... And I don't know if I would want to
1: replace anyone in this movie because I think it was done so well. Mm -hmm. And I think the casting was terrific. But what if you start playing that game, you start replacing lesser-known people with
0: with some of these? Like, you could have had... The most A-list movie of all time. Seriously, I mean, I can kind of almost imagine some of the parts for some of these people. Like I, my guess is Mark Ruffalo would have been Pink Floyd, and I I, I kind of could see exactly how that movie would still be good with Mark Ruffalo in that spot. But there are yeah. some there are some where like uh, you know like I I cannot I cannot picture anyone but Rory Cochran as Slater. I just yeah. cannot. There's no way you. Can I think that him. Jennifer
1: Love Hewitt would have been. The freshman girl, um,
0: like the the main
1: freshman girl there, whose name is escaping Uh, me. Sabrina, yeah, Sabrina, thank you. That would have been Sabrina. Like, yeah, you can try and kind of start picturing how some of this stuff would go, but yeah, it would be very interesting. But Slater is one that, um, you can't replace Slater,
0: irreplaceable, such a great character. And I would say he's maybe one of the most, he's maybe one of the most link later characters in this movie. And I, I say that like thinking about when you get, to, when we get to the end of the movie towards, uh, what is it? The moon tower or whatever. Is that what they call it? Party yeah. of the moon tower. Um, when he has his whole kind of conspiracy rant about, uh, about, uh, George Washington growing weed and amazing. Which is just fucking incredible. Martha Washington. Martha Washington,
1: She was a hip, hip, hip lady. <laughs> hip, hip George lady. would come home every day from work. She have a big fat ball packed waiting for him. <laughs>
0: but that whole rant that he goes on it's like it you know it's cut in between like two other scenes and he's just going and going that like those there's always a character in every every link movie there is a character like that that pops up and like to and it's to me it's no wonder that like it's no wonder that for a, a kind of it's no wonder that, th- that this particular character gets so much screen time in this movie. It just feels like to me, I'm guessing that this was Linklater himself back in the 70s was very well, much this Rory Cochran type.
1: For sure. I think that, um, yeah, and the book kind of gets a little bit into that, that, um, you know, it's kind of loosely based off of just Linklater's high school experience mm-hmm. and kind of what he went through and what he saw and, and all that for sure. The,
0: the real the, the real Wooderson sued him. Yes. For not, for not getting, I think a couple other guys too, but for not getting like essentially naming rights to the story or whatever. Yes. And they got thrown out of court only because the
1: statute of limitations had expired.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah, obviously this is very, very autobiographical. And I just, I, I'm assuming from what I know from later Linklater movies that Slater is very much, and not like the, the only one you could kind of think of as like being a Linklater, a Linklater stand in, but certainly that feels like his kind of comment on like what he was like in high school.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's funny too. So Linklater made a film called slacker that did fairly well. It's really good. I really enjoy it. Yeah. um, And slacker was what kind of got him to get enough money to make this right. Not, Mm -hmm. Hey, you can have all the money you want to and go nuts. It was just successful enough for someone to say, Hey, I'm going to give you some money and kind of let you run a little bit with this. Right um and you know what it's funny like the the movie made eight million dollars in theaters these people had to be like shit what what a bomb what a stupid idea <laughs> you know this is never gonna work and then you know five ten years later they're like oh my god this is amazing
0: mm-hmm. i'll, I'll and, tell you know, what it's oh, weird okay, how that
1: works right a lot of those these movies these cult classics that office space is another great example mm-hmm. terrible in theaters barely made anything right and then all of a sudden people just pick up on it and it goes absolutely nuts, which makes me think, and this is a little off topic, but does this, is this not going to happen anymore? Because these things went nuts because like everyone owned the VHS or then the DVDs, but like now with streaming, like that doesn't really happen anymore.
0: No. And something like I would, this is something that I was really thinking about. Um, on, on and two different like and kind of two different like trains of thoughts with this. I want to stick with the streaming one right now, and then actually want to circle back to like the how much money it made. But sticking with the streaming one right now, there there are a lot of movies, not like this, but this sort of independent film that are on that are on you know Amazon or Netflix or whatever. But they get fucking buried. There's no there's no advertising for them. There's nothing. They're not going to spend money on it. What they're going to spend money on are their originals that they want to promote, um, good or bad, or whatever they do happen to, you know, be able to buy a movie like the there's like a uh, the Roadhouse remake is on going to be on Amazon Prime like in a couple of months. Yeah, and that's still still not sure how I feel about. I, exactly. It's I'll an tell you classic. What, if it's a if it's if it's loud and noisy, people get beat up and the fights are good, then good enough, right? Like good enough. Um, I, I just need to hear the line Pain don't hurt <laughs> My absolute favorite line From
1: Roadhouse When uh, he's in the hospital And someone's like, the nurse Who he ends up like dating later yeah. on He's like, oh, do you like pain or something? And he looks at it and goes, pain don't hurt And I was like, that's the dumbest line <laughs> I've ever heard of but it's, I need it back in, in this remake It's gotta be in
0: there I, I can almost guarantee you that's gonna be a Conor McGregor line Almost guarantee. <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> almost guarantee you, but, but I, like, you know, that was that like they, I forgot who they outbid to get it, but like, you know, because they, because Amazon spent X amount of dollars on it, they're going to promote the shit out of it. But I have, I've actually like one of the more interesting things that I found recently, when you begin diving beneath all of their stuff that they're putting like right at the top, there's some really good independent movies and things, independent horror movies, dramas and shit that they just bury. And no mm-hmm. one ever talks about it because it, it, you're right. Like, you're never gonna get something like this that catches word of mouth uh, un- unless it's really like uh, unless it's something I mean I, guess, I don't even know. the closest comparison I have is Stranger things, which wasn't really that heavily promoted. it really just kind of organically caught fire. But that's the yeah. only thing I can think of. So I think you're right. like this is I don't think we're gonna have these sort of you know rebound um, these rebound movies that you know you know five years later have a cult following. Um, but I, it's, it's funny though, thinking about how much money this made for an independent movie in the early nineties, 8 million is actually pretty solid, regardless of the budget. The fact that it actually cleared its budget, probably just, uh, I forgot what the, I forgot who this, the distributor is. Is it touchstone? Maybe probably essentially just recouped their money, but like independent films almost never do that. Like they they're kind of made with the idea that they're going to lose money, but they're going to be like critically acclaimed or, you know, they're going to get awards or some shit. Um, yeah. So, so the fact that it made $8 million at all is actually kind of, it's actually kind of surprising that it more or less broke, um, you know, broke that far over its budget.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Um, yeah. You know, it it just clears it. And then it just, I, I always wonder what these kind of things like, what makes it take on a life of its own? Why is it so successful afterwards that it, it didn't have that during during its theatrical run?
0: I I kind of wonder, <clears throat> um, I know I've talked about this with Chema before. Um, there's like about like a 20 to 25 year sort of, maybe depending on the the, the pop culture medium, sometimes even like a 30 year kind of cycle on it. I kind of wonder if it if it didn't come around, if this movie wasn't too early in kind of reexamining the 1970s, like had it come around in 1996 or 1998, if it would have been a little bit more along with the pop culture interest in the 1970s.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's got to be some kind of sweet spot where it's you're far enough out, but not too far where people from that era still remember it and want to see it.
0: Right, exactly. Exactly cuz right now we're going through we 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 are finished up with like the 80s nostalgia and we are going hard into 90s nostalgia. Um mm-hmm. there's like there's some music there's like some rappers and stuff I listen to. Dude, you would think that they were like the Lost Beastie Boys. They sound <laughs> like they're from 1994. It's unbelievable. Um so like we are we're and it, it is. It's like it's it's old enough for us to remember, you know, growing up with that kind of music and for kids who were born, you know, 15 20 years ago it's brand new to them so yeah. I, I yeah i think there there's a sweet spot and my guess is that this movie just barely missed that sweet spot mm-hmm. um so there you know so if you were you know if you were you know like what i don't know maybe 10 years old in the, in the late 1970s maybe you weren't ready to kind of do that sort of nostalgic look back for another few years until you're like 20 you know in your late 20s or 30s yeah
1: yeah that makes sense
0: who knows though? Who knows. So let's talk about the soundtrack, real quick here, um, because it's it's Just fucking bangers. Incredible. Just it's incredible. bangers. Could we also can we talk about like one of the things that I, I I've always when it comes to when it comes to movies I always prefer the score over the soundtrack. Like I like a good score in a movie, but yeah, utilizing all of these songs as the score is. I don't know, maybe the best use of music in a movie, one of the best uses of, of pr- already produced music in a movie ever made, ever made, ever done, ever yeah. conceived. The the fact that the way it opens with Sweet Emotion is unbelievable. It's just an immediate tone setter.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I feel like it, when you hear Sweet Emotion come on, like, I'm just like, I'm ready. Like, yes, let's do this. Like, it's, it is absolutely a tone setter for sure.
0: So it opens, we open with Sweet Emotion. Um, Let's just, uh, let's just go through the soundtrack here. So we have Sweet Emotion by Aerosmith, Highway Star by Deep Purple, School's Out, Alice Cooper, um, Jim Dandy by Black Oak, Arkansas, Why Can't We Be Friends, War, uh, Stranglehold, Ted Nugent, a little more Alice Cooper here with No More Mr. Nice Guy, Freeride, Edgar Winter, or I guess the Edgar Winter group if if you get real technical there. Um, <clears throat> do you feel like we do Peter Frampton, of course, low rider, a little amazing bit more song, war. by the
1: way, just an amazing song.
0: Yep. Yep. Hurricane Bob Dylan. Um, I just want to make love to you. little fog hat. Love hurts. Of course. Got to have love hurts in a 1970s movie by Nazareth. Uh, paranoid black Sabbath. Um, and there's never been a reason by head East, uh, Tush ZZ top. Fox on the Run by The Suite. It's a little more a little more fog head here with Slow Ride. Um, rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, Rick Derringer. Uh, a little more Peter Frampton here. Show me the way. Um, I, and I think I'm getting into a few that are just on the soundtrack here now, but um, yeah. Lord, and Lord you, have... Oh, go what ahead. I go really ahead. like
1: about what they did. I'm sorry to cut you off. There. No, go ahead. Um, what I really like about what they did was it's not just, hey, we're going to have a bunch of bangers here, right? I feel like it makes the the songs make sense, right? Yes. Yes. It's The the middle school's getting out. They're trying to avoid getting paddled schools out by Alice Cooper makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, at the very end of the party at the very end, Tuesday has gone. Yep. Just, you know, just kind of winding everything down. um, Makes sense. They're paddling kids. Why can't we be friends? Mm -hmm. Like hysterically ironic song for that kind of situation. Right. Like, I think it was just a really, really good job of how they did this soundtrack.
0: No more Mr. Nice Guy is Kramer's getting his ass ass whipped. Yes. Um, after yeah. after they said, you know, like, hey, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a real asshole to this kid. Um, yeah,
1: and I'm sorry, I said love hurts. It was no more Mr. Nice Guy. Yeah.
0: Yes, um, love hurts
1: was the middle school dance kind of thing those kids were at. Yes,
0: with the with the <laughs> with the with the room full of like thirteen year olds making out, which yes. is like yes and like one of those things that like thinking about it i'm like was there just there was no way when i was in middle school there was just a room full of kids making out so the overriding
1: theme of this movie is that the parents here just basically don't exist (laughs) they do not care kids are getting paddled people are hammering beers you know everyone's getting high all the time middle schoolers are making out like there is no parental supervision at all in this movie.
0: None none the the closest we get to it is uh, the one kid's mother pulling a shotgun on on O'Banion. Um and then and then at the end of the movie, uh, Mrs. Kramer basically just like, hey, I know you're fucked up and you came home uh, in the morning. <laughs> Don't do it again 13 year old son. yeah. Yeah,
1: I don't know about you, but if I had pulled that shit, first of all, the cops would have been at my house by the time I got home. Oh, yeah. Okay? Second of all, there's no way my parents would have been like, oh, hey, one get-out-of-jail-free card, Nope. don't do it again. No way. That was not happening. I would have that been doing hard
0: labor ago. all summer. Yeah, that wasn't happening when I was 17, let alone 13. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The, the closest, I actually take that back, there was one moment of actual parenting when the Pickford's, uh, do not go on their, on their planned trip because, uh, because the their son, you beer know, guy bricks. <laughs> unpack, we're not going anywhere. Yeah.
1: Uh, um, can I say the beer guy, brick, the gods who are against me. I believe that's Pickford's line.
0: Yep. Yep. Um, also, also upon watching that scene more recently, I was just kind of like, this is sort of also a, a sign that like how old you are. I was like, when they're like getting the, where they're getting the car packed up or whatever, I was just kind of like, you know what? Mrs. Pickford can get it. She can get it. Yeah. She's, she's she's got some long ass legs and a good face. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm now looking at the mothers in movies mm-hmm. and I'm just kind of fine with that. We've gotten to that age.
1: Uh, also, yep. I will tell you the teacher. Oh in yeah. That movie. Um, yeah. Very foxy. Yeah. Very foxy.
0: That's exa- also, exactly how old we great, are.
1: Yeah. It, that does prove how old we are. She also has a great line about, hey, when you're out celebrating this bicentennial hoo-ha, just remember what you're celebrating. Bunch of slave-owning, aristocratic white men didn't want to pay their taxes. It was such a great line. That is a terrific line. I mean, it it is really true. If you want to boil it down and look at, you know, think of it of that point of view,
0: she's not wrong. Oh, 100% correct. Um, And this, like, those are the sort of lines when you do have a movie like this that doesn't really have a central plot, right? It's, we're not like, there's no goal for this movie whatsoever. It's just, there's we're just out for this movie for sure. So when you have a movie like that, where there's no real central goal whatsoever, it's a little bit harder to build characters because you're not putting them through anything necessarily, but it's those lines for when, especially when side characters and stuff, they get lines like that, that inform you all you need to know about the character. You know, that yeah. that's a very, that's a very, you know, especially for the time, a very left wing liberal teacher, Um, you know about that character and that's, I think that's one of the most brilliant things that Linklater does for all of the characters, whether or not they have a bunch of lines or they just have a few, it's, everything is written. So like, oh, I know exactly what Mike Newhouse is like. I know Mm -hmm. exactly, um, obviously Wooderson, you know, that's, that's a little bit, a little bit different, but like, you know, just from a couple of lines, like what Wooderson's like, we don't need to like have him put in a situation. We just need him to talk. Well, in, okay, so
1: perfect segue. When you want to talk about what Wooderson is like and what Wooderson is about, the way that, um, that the whole all right, all right, all right thing happened mm. was, uh, for those of you who maybe not heard the story, and Hayes talked about it, um, he said, okay, he was sitting there thinking about his character, and he said, what's my character into? He's into three things. He's into picking up chicks despite how horrendously creepy the line about high school girls is now thinking about it um but he's into picking up chicks he's into his car which is a big thing and he's into hanging out with his friends and you know getting high and having a good time and so it was three things and he was like all right all right all right and that's how that line came about mm-hmm. it was the three things that he was in, into and they was like all right all right all right and all of a sudden it became probably the most popular line in the movie
0: Oh, for sure the most popular line in the movie, but like upon it's just funny like upon hindsight I'm like, holy shit. Wooderson is a quote machine. Um, I, I, I 100% forgot about the you gotta join on you. Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> a lot cooler if you did. like a lot cooler if you did. those those little lines that he has and it's and again, like obviously Wooderson gets a uh, you know quite a bit more screen time than some of the other characters. But like, even if he was only like a one scene or two scene character, you would know everything about Wooderson from the little bit of exposition about the fact that he's working for the city and the, and the, just the general attitude that he has with every single line, you know, exactly what this character is about.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now. Um, so speaking of, uh, you know, we're talking about Wooderson and what a, and just an amazing fucking character this guy is and, and everything that he went about. Um, you know, it's weird to think that, uh, he had such a small role originally in this movie. Okay. Mm. He was not supposed to be in the end credits where they all go to get Aerosmith tickets. Right. What happened was, um, the guy that played Pickford was apparently just a fucking dick. (laughs) And basically the whole cast hated him.
0: Mm -hmm. Sean, Sean, uh, Sean Andrews is who we're talking about here.
1: Sean Andrews. Sean Andrews and Jeremy London, AKA Randall pink Floyd got into a fist fight at one point during the making of this movie. They hated each mm-hmm. other. Everyone else kind of hated it, hated uh, Sean Andrews. Um, and they ended up cutting out a whole bunch of his lines. And that's how Wooderson got a much bigger part uh, was because of this. Cause they needed someone to come in and, and kind of fill that in. Mm-hmm. So the whole smoking a joint on the 50 yard line, and then the coach busts them. Uh, and then they all go get Aerosmith tickets. That was supposed to be Pickford the whole way. And they had to bring in McConaughey at the end because they no one wanted to deal with Pickford anymore.
0: Yeah, and it's and it's funny cuz it it makes just purely from a story standpoint, it would make more sense to have you know, one of the other high school kids there for that end scene, right? Like at the high school. It just yeah. It would just make more sense, but as you as you said, no one like Sean Andrews um there is and it's funny even in the scenes that andrews is in especially with jeremy london i think there's like three total scenes two or th- there's not th- th- many two two that's right they cut a bunch but there's like two scenes where they're together essentially they don't talk to each other like they don't have yeah. lines directed towards each other um yeah. because link just didn't want to
1: my head that i can think of is um when they are uh, right before the beer guy comes they're all up in his room, yeah, uh, at his house, smoking. And Slater's there, Mila Jovovich, and Randall Pink Floyd, and Pickford. It's the four of them. Yeah, that's the only one I can really think of where they're like together. But yeah, they uh, they tried to separate them a whole lot.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm assuming that's also also probably why uh, Mila Jovovich had a lot cut too. Would be my guess. She also, and here's some inside info for you.
1: Her and Pickford ran off and got married in the middle of this.
0: Uh-huh, and she was Um, all of 16 years old, mind you.
1: Yes, and so it got annulled. But the whole time, and and this is kind of detailed in the book, the whole time that they were all in this hotel, uh, so the whole cast is in a hotel for two or three months living together, um, except for McConaughey. Uh, But McConaughey was there all the time hanging out with them. Um, And then, you know, Pickford, so Sean Andrews and Milyovic, is it Jovovich? Is that it's Jovovich. Jovo, it it Jovovich. Yeah, whatever. Mila. So uh, they kind of separate and like they were just kind of by themselves the whole time, right? They hung out just the two of them. The rest of the cast would all hang out. And that's kind of how this separation, like it started with no one liked uh, Sean Andrews. And then, you know, she kind of went with him and then everyone else kind of separated. And I think that that's why there's, yeah, so, so little of her in it as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, she really only has... What like maybe three or four lines, and then like she sings a little bit. That's that's yeah. basically it. By
1: the way, I I don't know what it is. I do love that little. It's the party at the Moon Tower. and mm-hmm. She sings that song like uh, playing the guitar. Uh, I don't know why. I've always really liked that.
0: It's and by the way, that's her song. It's like one of her original songs. She was a singer too.
1: I, you know what? I just when I was doing a little prep for the show here, just found that out. I did not know that.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just she's she's had a very she's had a very interesting career in Hollywood. Like, I, you know, the fact that like, to me, like she's synonymous, you know, with like the resident evil movies and just in general being like an action, like a, you know, a female action lead, which there aren't that many of, it's just funny. All the movies that she got her start in are, you know, this is like, this is the movie she got her start in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's so far away from, uh, I don't know, gutting mutants, um, in, in like a, in an American wasteland. Like, I, I mean, how much farther away can you get from that?
1: Yeah, Uh, you know, most of these characters, they went on to play similar characters, right? You look at Slater, Rory Cochran, who was then in Empire Records, which Uh wasn't too far off of Slater, I guess. Not really. Right. McConaughey did a lot of these, you know, comedy type movies early on in his career. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of that. So a lot of them played similar characters. um, Yeah, from the start. But yeah, she, uh,
0: she really went the other way. Mm hmm. I, I do find it. Um, just looking back at like the cast list now too, like I I do. It's it's also very clear that Linklater just found the exact right people that didn't have to like reach necessarily for what he was what he was asking either. Like it it, it almost feels like, especially what we know from like someone like Adam Goldberg. Um, it it you might as well just call Mike Newhouse Adam Goldberg. Like a, a kind of neurotic. Um, I don't know without you know. Not, he's a neurotic Jew. I mean, like that's Adam Goldberg's lifelong archetype for all of his characters is a neurotic Jew because Adam Goldberg, I'm assuming is kind of an erotic Jew. He played a rich version of this character in Entourage. Yep, exactly. And he, every, everything that he does, he's a little bit, he has like a little bit of anxiety, a little bit, he, you know, his speech is ramped up and that's, and you know, you go back now and you see this movie, you're like, Oh, okay. That makes perfect sense. All right, so let's let's get into this kind of general discussion because um, I am curious about I'm curious about like when you first saw it. Like, it, was this something that it, I'm assuming you probably didn't see it in theaters in 1993? I'm going to make that guess.
1: I would have been 11. Yeah, so, exactly. Exactly. Uh, my parents did not take me to this movie when I was 11 to go see this in theaters. Right. Um, you know what? I I probably didn't see it until freshman year of college. Okay um and then sophomore year of college was when you know like I saw freshman year one time and I was like oh this is pretty cool I like this whatever and then sophomore year was when like um I started watching it like semi-regularly
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh so that's when i like I really got into it was was sophomore year of college that's when it was like I really came to appreciate it and also the fact that when I was in high school like I didn't really drink i didn't you know i didn't really party or anything like Mm -hmm. that i wasn't um i wasn't that guy i guess in in high school which is funny for anyone that met me in college uh, (laughs) because i really made up for it in college
0: (laughs) yeah absolutely
1: yeah so um you know i think it was college when we when we really i really started getting into it and also you know i debated on if i was going to bring this up or not but fuck it i'm going to (laughs) you know sophomore year of college was really when um probably when I started smoking pot a whole lot more. Mm-hmm. And so then all of a sudden it was just like, man, this is such a good movie just to, to smoke and, and watch.
0: It It is, this 100% is a, obviously it's a stoner movie, but like, it's also, be, again, because it's plotless, you don't have to like focus on any, like you don't have to carry anything from scene to scene. You can just kind of chill and watch the scene. And not yeah. worry about what's going to happen next. I mean, again, there's obviously pieces of the story carry over from scene to scene, but like you're not like required to like worry about like what happened in the, in the first five minutes of the movie affecting mm-hmm. you know the last half hour or something. Um, so it's a great stoner movie. If you're not if you're not getting stoned, it's still a great drinking movie. Um, my goodness, yeah. there's a beer in every other scene once they get like out of high school.
1: Yeah. Uh, also, and you know, there's a a whole car. With a trunk full of beer in this movie, I these love guys that scene. are driving around with a trunk full of beer. I love and that. I scene. don't mean like, you know, not like oh, we have a cooler with some beers in it. Like literally, they outfitted their trunk so they could dump a bunch of beers and then ice on top of it, and then they drove around with that.
0: I, I this is, I think you're right. Like in that, this movie is just basically like parents don't exist. Um, but it's also yeah. very clear that like rules were almost non-existent for people back in the 1970s in Texas.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they're knocking down mailboxes. They throw a bowling ball
0: through someone's windshield. I mean, it was, it was chaos. <laughs> like it's, it's one of those, like I, you know, obviously there's some of this shit is like a, a vast exaggeration, but this, these ideas came from somewhere. like, link later for sure i guarantee you link later for sure new kids that drove around with you know 70 to 100 beers in the back of their back of their car guarantee he knew something like that
1: yeah uh also um so top-notch burgers still exists in austin texas Mm -hmm. and you can go there and uh i would i would love to go to austin sometime and see some of these places the place where the emporium was which oh my god if you put me at age 17, 18, with a place like that. Uh-huh. Like, I don't know if it really gets any better at that age to have mm-hmm. something like that, where you can just walk in, bring your own beers into whatever, like no rules, whatever you want to do. Um, the Emporium, that the strip mall where it is still exists. Obviously the, the Emporium wasn't <clears> a real thing, but you can go right to that location and go check it out if you want to. Mm-hmm.
0: I, was, I was in Austin a couple years ago And there's a few, there's a few driving scenes where I'm just like, oh, I was like walking around here. Like I I know generally where this is, like where it was filmed. There's a couple of scenes in the highway that look exactly the same still. It's actually kind of interesting, but I I didn't, I didn't do the full, my friend like lives outside of Austin or I guess it technically is still Austin, but like it's, it's like living on like the farthest edge of Cleveland and you're like right next to a suburb um, essentially. So I didn't. I didn't do the full. Also, the same weekend as Austin City Limits, so it would have been a fucking nightmare anyway to maneuver oh, yeah. in the city. But yeah the, yeah, the next the next time I go back, I want to do like I want to get the full Austin experience and add some of this stuff onto that list. Go to Top Notch. Go see where the Emporium was. Um, do that kind of shit. I mean,
1: I would love to just hang out outside of the Emporium and smoke J.
0: Right? Like, that'd be pretty <laughs> awesome. What and, and you have to do it very cool while you leer at women as they walk by. Yes. Yes.
1: Also, one of the things that a lot of people didn't realize, and I probably would not have realized it myself if it wasn't pointed out to me, outside the Emporium, Randall Pink Floyd smokes a bowl. It's his belt buckle that he pulls off, and it's a bowl, and he smokes it, <laughs> and then just puts it right back on his belt.
0: It's his belt buckle. Like, What? It's awesome. It's awesome. It's, it's again, like, I, I it feels like it's one of those things that, like, there's probably a slight exaggeration there. But Linklater probably needs some kid who figured out a way to fashion a pipe into a belt buckle so he could just wear it around with him.
1: And I guess, you know what, if something happens, you get busted by the cops, like, it's a belt they're buckle. patting down your pockets and stuff. They're not checking out your belt buckle.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's I just, kind of ingenious. I would assume also 1970s cops not doing a lot of thorough padding down.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that very, very good point.
0: Um, so like you, I saw this wasn't like until I was like a sophomore in college when I first saw this. And the like the funny thing was like until until I began seeing it out of college, I didn't like this was just sort of a oh, it's the Stoner movie with all the, the the funny, the funny McConaughey shit. It really did take until I was like a little bit older, probably more like 27, 28, or whatever, where I was just like, oh shit, this is, this is like way, way deeper than even, I think even the movie originally wanted itself to be. This movie has some like deeper shit in it. It definitely took a little bit older because like it was one of those things being able to look back on like these kind of landmark days where you're, um, you know, if you're Mitch Kramer and like it's your, last day in middle school, and you're about to be initiated into high school, right? Like, these kind of, like, moments just kind of pass you by when you're younger, but when you go back and think about them when you're older, they have a little bit more meaning. So, like, I really didn't, a lot of this stuff didn't, like, not that it didn't click with me, it just kind of picked up on, like, the importance of this, some of this stuff when I was a little bit older and could have just appreciated it more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Also, you know what I was just thinking about when you mentioned Wiley Wiggins? Uh, absolute poor man's Joseph Gordon Levitt.
0: Yeah, oh for sure. For sure.
1: That like if you can't afford Joseph, Joseph Gordon Levitt, you just go get Wiley Wiggins.
0: What's amazing is that he looks nothing like that now. Whereas Oh really? Whereas Joseph Gordon Levitt looks exactly the same. Yeah. Wiley Wiggins does not look like that. I mean he's you know he's a little huskier or whatever, but like he just facially doesn't look like that anymore. Oh yeah. Right?
1: I just pulled him up. Yeah, um, yeah, he's a he's a different guy these days. I mean, in fairness, though, he was what seventeen
0: at the time. He's now forty-seven. Exactly. Yeah. Who looks exactly? But again, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has looked the same for forty years almost. Yeah, I, you yeah, know, I mean, looks exactly the same. It's very bizarre. Um, but that is a really good comparison, though. And again, I'll I'll stick with the Trevor Lawrence too. If this kid was like six foot six. Um, he'd be Trevor Lawrence. Which here's what's funny.
1: Um there's the scene in there where they're he's the pitcher in a baseball game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Wiley Wiggins lied and said, "Oh yeah, yeah, I can play baseball." When they were doing like auditions and stuff, and then he got out there, he had no idea how to throw a ball. <laughs> I did not <laughs> so, know. So like a lot of the if you look a lot of the scenes like there's not like any kind of like close-ups or something of him where he's throwing a ball because He had no idea how to throw a baseball. I don't fully understand how any teenage boy in this country doesn't know how to throw a ball. That's kind of lost on me. But, um, yeah, he he basically couldn't do it.
0: The ones in drama club who are going to be actors, Nugent, don't know how to throw baseballs.
1: (laughs) All right, right, that's a fair point.
0: (laughs) They they don't. Um, I actually... I remember I watched this... I saw this video a couple of years ago um, on YouTube. It was an extended clip of people throwing with their opposite hand. And, like, how bad people... Like, people who can throw. And then they try to throw it left-handed or whatever, right-handed. And they can't do it. And I'm just like, yeah, there, are, there are just there are people out there like that. Feel sorry for yeah. them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Not like I'm some star athlete, but,
0: you know, whatever. I... I... I can throw both right and left handed. Um, if someone asked me to I mean, the skating part would be a huge problem, but if you asked me to like play hockey, I could probably figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh man. Anyway, so, so here's the oh, question
1: ahead. I have for you. Yeah. Gonna, I want to turn the tables a little go bit. Go for it. And I'm going to give you my answer, but I want to hear your answer first. And I'm putting you on the spot here.
0: Favorite character in this? Oh, man. Uh, so I can tell you right now, the character that I would have been the character that I would have been Mike Newhouse. I would have been the neurotic idiot stuck in the back of the car with, um, uh, with Anthony Rapp and, uh, Marissa, uh, <clears throat> Marissa Rabisi. Yeah. Um, that would have been me, but favorite character, Whew, man. I mean, it's gotta be between, it's gotta be between Slater between Slater and Darla Parker Posey and and Rory Cochran. Yeah. I think, I think Parker Posey, she's awesome. Yeah. She is awesome.
1: And she's hysterical in this movie. I think she plays it really well. Like, you know what? She's one of those people that knows like, listen, I'm going to be the absolute asshole of this group. Mm -hmm. Right. She plays it so well. Does such a good job with it. Yeah. Terrific.
0: Yeah. So I'm going, I'm going with Darla on that one. Yeah, for sure. So for me, um, I love Randall Pink Floyd, mm-hmm. uh, you know, he's a terrific character. Uh,
1: I think it's it's very well played. I really like it. I love the fact that, you know, if we were, let's say we were in the 70s and we had, you know, think of like our college experience. We're in the 70s. We have a friend with the last name Floyd. We're absolutely giving him the nickname Pink. Oh, 100%. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Terrific nickname. Love that whole thing. I think he plays it really well. Um, you know, I think Wooderson's character is terrific and cracks me up, even though he's just looking back at it now, the absolute creepiest, creepiest. person of all time. Yeah. I mean, how old do you think he is in this thing? Like
0: 30? So I, I kept, I, I kept wondering, um, it's funny though, cause he was actually younger than a lot of the people playing the high school kids, which True. is funny, but True, yeah. I kind of felt like he was supposed to be between, between like 26 and 30. So we call it like 28 probably is kind of what that felt
1: like. 30 might be a little old. I think you're probably right. He's probably still in his twenties old enough to where like, you should not be doing this. Correct. But not, not like so old to where it's like, Holy crap. It's like blatantly obvious, maybe like mid twenties where like you can still maybe kind of fit in, but it's
0: still kind of weird. It it essentially, I, I would kind of think of it like this. It's almost like if you could almost understand it, if he had like a younger sibling who had just graduated recently that you would see him around at places simply because he knew the, you know what I mean? Like he's, that's kind of how I pin that character. Like he's just old. He's just young enough that it's not terribly weird that he's like present in places. Cause you're right. If he was supposed to be like 31, 32, then you'd be like, okay, dude, what is, why are you talking to 17 year olds?
1: Yeah. 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 But yeah, I think, so I guess maybe like 24, 25 is probably, probably, yeah. Old enough to where it's like, dude, this is still like, you shouldn't be doing this, but not so old to where like, no one wants to be with you. Like he's kind of the cool older guy. So like, yeah, I feel like maybe that 23, 24, 25 kind of
0: fits in. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I think it's, I think it's kind of, um, you know, when you do talk about your favorite character, I think I, I almost just mentally took Wooderson off the board because that's like the easy answer, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my favorite character is Slater. And I feel like yeah. that's the easy answer, right? Mm-hmm. Who doesn't like Slater? In this he's movie? awesome. Like, He's so great. He's so funny. Um, you know, just all of his little things, like the whole George Washington weed thing is hysterical. Mm-hmm. You know, when he's there at school and he's talking to Pickford about, I'm going to come by a little business, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> like that whole thing, like he's just hysterical. Or when they get busted um, towards the end there, and the the football coach shows up. And he's like, "Hey, coach, remember me? Second period, gym class. Yeah, like, all that little shit. Like, it's funny as hell." Um, right. Um, he's got so many of those that. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Slater.
0: Slater's awesome. Um, I, you know, I it, it's one of those. It it like I know the actor because you know he's been in tons. He's been acting for you know 30 years now, but it didn't. I didn't click. It didn't click at first. Um, you know who he was recently when he played recently? Hmm. Have you seen the show Winning Time, the Lakers show?
1: I have not. I've heard good things about it.
0: Pretty good. I haven't seen it. He plays Jerry Tarkanian, um, the UNLV really- head coach. Yeah. The guy that used to chew the towel? Yes. Huh. And if you want to talk about – I mean, obviously, again, we're talking 30 years apart in the roles. But you want to yeah. talk about, like, not – like. You it it didn't register until like I literally looked up his IMDb. I'm like, holy shit, that was Tark. That was Tark the shark was played by Slater. Damn,
1: I remember uh, Rory Cochran was in like what like CSI Miami or one of those kind of shows for a while.
0: Yeah, I can't remember. I can't remember which one, but yeah, um, yeah, you're those, you're so. absolutely correct. He's it's it's it, again. I it just you could we could take any one person off of this cast, and like after this they have. Some level of like success with a, with a few exceptions. They have such like an yeah. interesting level of success. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um. So, <sighs> I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get. So I have this question here about like what what locks this in is it one of your all time favorites. I think we've gone through a lot of that already, but I want to give you I want to give you one of mine and kind of tell me tell me your feeling on this. That I. I generally don't like 70s era movies. They just for some reason they just kind of miss me. But I think I think that this movie in particular because of the time period is actually locks it in as like being a necessary 70s movie because I don't think that I don't think you could make this exact same story in 1986 or 1996 as the, as the setting. Does that make sense? Yeah, I
1: I agree that, you know, as times change, there's no way that this exact same thing would be going on just as um, what's socially acceptable and how things, you know, just how things change over time. I agree. There's, there's no way that what was happening in 76 would be happening in 86 or 96.
0: I just, I just think it's impossible to have, as we talked about, like, there's, you know, we got to, we, we definitely got a, every generation got away with more stuff than the recent generation, simply because yeah. of how much more connected and in touch uh, kids are now with their parents and everything. But like, it felt like that, it felt like the seventies truly was like the wild west where you, you still, you were so far away from being like, you, you could just disappear from your parents' house for a day. And your parents would just assume, like, as long as, like, the cops didn't call, like, that you're probably okay. But it feels like the 70s is, like, the last era where things are kind of modernizing. But we still have this sort of, like, old school kind of look at, like, yeah, you know, the kids can go out and do whatever just as long as they come home. Yeah. Well,
1: okay, so that's a great point. And I think about this a lot. Like, we talked about how... You know, if we had come home at sunrise, right, when we we're 13, there's no way that would have flown. Mm-hmm. The other thing I think about is, you know, there's a big party, party at the Moon Tower. Everybody's going there, going to have kegs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, think about when you were uh, going to be, uh, you're graduating eighth grade. It's your last day of eighth grade. And you tell your parents, hey, uh, this group of seniors is going to come pick me up in their car. <laughs> and I'm just going to hang out with them all night. And your parents would have been like, yeah, okay, have a good time. Like, there's no way that that would be happening in my lifetime.
0: No, no. And you, and you, so you have, you have an older brother. I have an older sister. There is no way their friends would have been like, sure, come hang out with us. Like, yes, th- th- there's no way. As my sister's four years older than me. There's no way her friends would have been like, yeah, let's show this like 14, 13, 14 year old the time of his life uh, this summer
1: my brother is four and a half years older than I am. So exact same scenario. There's no way that, yeah, his friends are coming to pick me up. Like, Hey, we're, we're going to pick up your little brother and go get him hammered. Like, no, that's, that's not happening.
0: (laughs) Not at all. Not even, not even remotely going to happen. Um, yeah, I just, yeah. Like I, like I said, I just think that this, you know, I I think we'll probably talk about, um, everybody wants some here in a little bit. Um, but you kind but we of, will it's it's on the list we will because but because you had to and maybe we could just get in there right now because that movie takes place in college you know it takes place in the 80s but it takes place in college i think that was a necessary change because i think the 70s is kind of that last decade where like everyone could just kind of do whatever they wanted like the 80s really does change quite a bit once you get into them
1: yeah so in okay so for the people that don't know there was an unofficial sequel to this movie. It's a Richard Linklater movie. It was set in the eighties and it's set in college. None of the same characters, but it is exactly the Mm -hmm. same as days Confused, where there is zero plot to the movie. It's a bunch of kids just getting to college. They just want to go out and have fun and party and meet girls. There is marijuana and beer is very prevalent in the whole thing I mean, it really is the unofficial sequel mm-hmm. to this movie. It's called Everybody Wants Some, um, not nearly as well known, but and it's it's not as good as Days Confused, mm-hmm. but I I still enjoyed watching it.
0: Yeah, it feels like it feels like one of those like good. This would be this would, it would be a good back to backer just to kind of like yeah. keep yourself in that in that sort of mind frame. Back to back movies. Um, I guess you could just continue smoking uh, for a very extended period of time if you'd like. Um, yeah it just your
1: lungs can make it that long you can do it back
0: to (laughs) back exactly Um, yeah it just but like I think changing it to a college setting is just totally necessary once you get to the 1980s because that's when that you're not going to you know what year is it exactly I can't remember is it supposed to be Uh, 84
1: 83 early early 80s
0: go ahead and look that up but like I think to kind of to kind of get away with that kind of stuff it has to, it has to be college kids. It can't be high school kids in the eighties.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. Um, it's set in 1980. Oh,
0: 1980 directly. Okay. So eh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um, but it just, well, as, so you
1: go from 76 and then four years later, yeah. these kids will be freshman year of college in 1980.
0: Yep, yeah, exactly. So I, again, like I just, I don't know, like if, I guess if I guess if Linklater ever wants to do a 90s style of this movie I, I can't imagine that he wants to um I don't think he ever will but it, it it I don't know where you I don't know where you go right like it has to I, I don't know like I don't know young dads going wild like I mean where do you go with it from there I think that this the setting and the, and the time period is like necessary to have like these everybody wants some and and more importantly days and confused the time period is so necessary to have this exact story. The I
1: think the only way you could do it is you have a 1984 1985 version of Wall Street with a bunch of kids straight out of college. They get yeah. their first job and they're partying their way through their early to mid twenties. Mm-hmm. That's about yeah. the only way you could do it. That right. would be the the next natural progression, right? You've done high school, you've done college. Now you do fresh out of college something like that. where like, Hey, we've got real world jobs and we're kind of experiencing life with a little bit of money for the first time. And, you know, trying to do the whole corporate ladder bullshit kind of thing.
0: Yeah. And I can tell you right now, that movie does not sound very interesting. <laughs> like, no, no, no. The, the high
1: school and college party is way more fun.
0: Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, like I, I'll, I'll, one more, I had one more thought here that I, I also think that the kind of having a more um, not, not extreme. I I know I'm not going to articulate this that great, but having like a really kind of unique situation when you are going to do a one day movie, a slice of life kind of movie, like you have to have something kind of extreme happening, right? Like this last day of school with kids getting paddled with the, with the girls just absolutely humiliating the incoming freshman girls Like, it it, if you are going to do this type of movie, we need to have some kind of... Again, I don't think extreme is the right word for it, but we need to have a very unique setting if you're going to make a one-day movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I I completely agree with you on that
0: one. And I I don't Uh, think... And if we were to do the 1985 Wall Street Bros, I don't think you're going to get a great one-day movie out of that. Yeah, no, you, you won't.
1: So, let me let me transition kind of into this. When we look at Days Confused, is there a, is there a scene in there or a certain performance or something that like strikes you as like, what do you think of this movie? That's what you think of?
0: Yes. So I, I have, I have like two kind of things that really, to me kind of hit, um, really kind of hit this like right on the head. Um, and it's, it's over it's overall the um it's it's the I guess the whatever arc there is for um for Pink Floyd and for Mitch Kramer are like the two kind of signature things for me. Um in that so we start with um again, plotless movie, but Pink has an actual story, right? Like he's the one he's one of the people with an actual kind of story. Um yeah. So we start with Pink, not 100% sure if he wants to play football next year. He's got to sign the – essentially the the pledge to, you know, refrain from alcohol and drugs and, you know, give 100% to the team and everything else. Um, that's where we start with him. I will
1: give my all to the football team in 1976. Yep. yep. Whatever that thing was, yeah.
0: Yeah. So he's got to sign – essentially just what it – I can, I can almost guarantee you, and I'll get back to this in a minute, can almost guarantee you, we if you played high school sports, you probably signed some kind of code of conduct thing, more than likely. Uh, that yeah. Essentially, uh, it was a pseudo-contract that if you did something stupid, you were no longer on the team. Um, yeah. But, but basically what this is, it's just a code of conduct kind of deal that Pink doesn't really want to sign. He's not sure if he wants to play football, and if he does want to play football, you know, it's kind of on his own terms, not on what the coach wants. So I, I love that this, that essentially this piece of paper is what Pink is so fucking pissed off about. It just feels like the perfect kind of, um, the perfect kind of like act of someone who is like really, you know, really getting into their rebellious phase as a teenager, right? Like truly this piece of paper means nothing, but to him, it means everything. It's like, yeah, and his friends say, "Just sign it. Never, never think about it again." Right?
1: Exactly. And he was like, "No, fuck that. Like, I'm not going to do that."
0: Exactly. Um, uh, Dawson basically says, "Like, just sign it, man. Who cares?" Like, yeah. Uh, you know, it's not that big of a deal. Clearly, Dawson's going to go out and drink and party and and fuck everything in sight if he can. So, like, he yeah. doesn't care. But to Pink, this feels like a complete infringement upon like his rights, and yeah. it's something that he just can't fucking let go of. So it just feels like this is such a a funny and interesting kind of symbolic thing of how how when you're like 16 17 18 years old you are kind of finally figuring out the thing you, you're figuring out your what you're who you are as a person and pink mm-hmm. feels like this is an affront to him as a person and so like yeah. this is this is like one thing that just like i'm like okay so pink's whole arc his performance this is like what i think one of the things for sure that i think about when i think about this movie and the other one is sort of is uh Kramer's story, Mitch Kramer's story. Um, and how in his is, I mean, it's obviously this personal journey as much as it is, but just sort of him kind of symbolically being, um, you know, how, how kids sort of get pulled into the social hierarchy of high school. And in his case, he kind of had a shortcut. He had an older sister who kind of, even though he still had to go through the same ritual, getting his fucking ass paddled. Um, he had a sister that kind of made that transition as easy as possible. And he already had the shortcut as a, not even a freshman yet, kind of already bonding with the seniors, hanging out with them, doing stuff with them. You know, he impresses, um, he impresses Melvin, you know, buys him the beers from the store or whatever, has that moment with the clerk. So like Kramer's Mitch Kramer's sort of uh, story is just this whole thing about how the social hierarchy works in high school and how there are different pathways into it for you yeah yeah i like it um so i'm gonna give you two scenes
1: here okay for me that that i i really love um and, and i think that you broke it down well of looking at it of more of a, a holistic view of the movie i'm just gonna give you two scenes sure, that, sure. that I, I i love in this one is the whole party at the moon tower thing right mm-hmm. where Party gets, you know, the the original party gets busted up. Everyone's driving around. And I think everyone's kind of been in this situation before. You don't know what you're going to do that night. Like, think when you were younger, right? You're just driving around with your friends. You have no idea what's going on. All of a sudden, it's, hey, we've got something. We're going to do this party at the Moon Tower. First of all, I don't understand how they have this huge open place. You can just go party. And again, no cops, no parents. <laughs> No rules, right? I, I, I don't get how this works. I'm pretty jealous that they had something like that. Mm-hmm. We certainly didn't.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I think it's, you know, the whole thing of like, hey, you've got your stoners in one place. Everyone's getting high. You've got a couple of kegs. Everyone's getting hammered. Like, it's just a, a this wild party with no rules and that kind of thing. Um, and then how, like, everything kind of, the way that certain characters kind of play off each other, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, so... You know, you had talked before about how uh, Mike Newhouse, he comes in and, you know, someone says something to him and he's like, he can't stop thinking about it. Mm-hmm. He ends up trying to fight this guy, which is a horrendous idea, right? <laughs> um, yeah, ends up getting his ass kicked. But, uh, you know, there's there's that story. And then there's a the story of how these freshmen are trying to assimilate into hanging out with seniors and how that goes. And, uh, you know, you see uh you know people getting hammered you got parker posey's character who um she drinks
0: like a man she drinks like a trucker
1: yeah she (laughs) just putting him down uh trying to haze people in the process so hammered by the end she's not even gonna remember what goes on Mm -hmm. um you know that whole thing like just the whole way it, it, it came together um i really liked and then you've got slater's um speech on george washington which I, love that so much. I can watch a million times will always crack me up so love the party at the moon tower the other part that i'm gonna the other scene i'm gonna bring up that i feel like there's certain times where you watch a movie especially as a guy and you think to yourself like oh i'd, I'd love to be the guy in that situation a lot of times it's a sports movie right like mm-hmm. where there's some guy who makes like a, a huge play or wins a game or whatever and you're like man that's awesome you kind of you know fantasize about like oh what if i were in there blah blah blah. the one that i always come back to is at the emporium when wooderson walks into the emporium and hurricane by bob dylan is oh, playing yeah. in the background mm-hmm. and he's walking in just you know uh kissing babies and shaking hands at mm-hmm. that point right everyone's kind of got got their eye on him he is just the man in that scene um it, it, there was just, it just seemed like one of those scenes where it was just like, man, that is cool as fuck. Like, the, he is the man here, and it it was just... I've always remembered that scene. I always thought it was super
0: awesome. I 100% agree with you. Um, that is, like, if you were to cut... If you were to cut, like, just pieces of this to be preserved, th- those for sure would be two of the pieces that you would cut and just, like, keep preserved. The That entrance in the Emporium... Basically everything that happens in the Emporium is just incredible. Um yeah. and the Moon Tower scene where everyone kind of settles into settles into their roles. We have like you said like we have the, you know, um you have um Newhouse, Tony and um Marissa BC, why am I forgetting her name? Uh but Marissa BC's character kind of settled Cynthia. in. Was that Cynthia? Cynthia, thank you. Cynthia kind of settled into their group. You got the gearheads with um, uh, Clint, who um, how ends up fighting, settled into their group. And dominant male motherfucker. Dominant male motherfucker. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> but you have all the all the kind of the people in this party settling into their cliques. You have the people that can kind of move between the cliques. It's like I, one thing that this movie nails so fucking well. And as you mentioned, and you mentioned it too, but like even before they get to the Moon Tower, the thing that this movie nails so perfectly. It's just how how much hanging around doing nothing teenagers do? I, I mean like yeah. how how often do, even even if you know, obviously we didn't have like a truck full of beers or you know, whatever, but how often did you just like drive around places and go park, yeah. talk to people, drive to the next place, talk to other people, and then like meet up somewhere for a little bit and then like that was it. That's all you did. That was hanging out. This yeah, movie kept we it. Perfectly
1: not because we needed food because Denny's was a place that we could hang out at when we were 16 years old. Right. Mm-hmm. And you got a car. So you could go drive there and then, yeah, you just end up like driving around with your friends and um, you know, and it, you were away from parents, like smoking cigarettes, you know, that kind of thing. Like, yeah, you could do all that
0: back then. And it was just, it was something to do. Yeah. And, and this movie captured so perfectly just this, this, idea, especially, and one thing we haven't talked about yet. Um, and I want to get your thoughts on this You know, Austin in 1976, super, totally different town than what this place is now. Um, Oh, yeah. Just a sleepy, small-ass college town. That's all that was going on in Austin in in 1976. So, like, your, your, you know, your things you could have done back then, especially as, like, a 16, 17-year-old, were fairly limited anyway. So, pool hall, you know, going to the Emporium, driving around, and then going out to this fucking moon tower. That's, like, what else would you have done?
1: Which it's funny that they all complain about how bored they are. If I were that age, if I were you know seventeen and I had the Emporium, first of all, I'd I would never leave the Emporium. That would be my home base. Okay, like anytime you show up there, like oh, there's Nugent. Like I would be there. I would have my own corner there. I would never leave.
0: That oh, place. D- we used do we used to tear up the pool hall in Northfield. That was like an that was an uh, every Friday thing.
1: Yeah. Imagine if you were seventeen, you could just bring beers in and hang out with your friends.
0: I would go nowhere else.
1: I would have my own corner. I would have my own stool there. I would put my name on it. Okay. Like I I wouldn't go anywhere else. I would be at the Emporium all the time, but then yeah, you've got the moon tower and you've got top notch burgers and you know, all the other stuff. Like um, they had plenty to do, but you're right in terms of what Austin is like today. Nothing like what, what we saw in the movie. I,
0: and I, here's, here's what I wondered. um, And I I didn't put this on the outline anywhere, but I I did kind of wonder this today. Would, would Wooderson hang out in today's Austin? Okay. So um
1: I actually follow the Days Confused thread on or subreddit on Reddit. Uh-huh. Um and there's you know, every once in a while some conversation comes up about what do you think these people are doing today? Mm-hmm. I think that Wooderson is the guy that never left town. I oh, think he yeah. ends up making a career out of working for the city, keeping a little change in his pocket. And I think that he's there permanently because I think he's one of those guys that he would be too scared to like go out and see what else is out there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I got, yeah, I got your, I got what you mean. I'll tell you what, if he owned a house in Austin back in 1976, he could probably sell it for like $6 million now. Um, My, I just a quick side story. My friends that, that I went down to visit, they bought their house and it is a, it's a nice house. It's a small house though. It, I think they both have to sign away their firstborn um, to to afford this house. It's insane. Um, yeah. But what about, what about Wooderson? Like, if Wooderson, if this character existed now, do you think he would fit into current Austin? Because current Austin feels oh. much kitschier.
1: It's a tough question because you know what? I mean, as you get older, keep in mind that no one's like themselves when they were, you know, yeah. As we're older, I'm not like I was when I was 23. There may be some similarities here and there, but um, when I was 23, I was probably similar to Wooderson, not hanging out with high schoolers. But uh, I was out trying to just have fun with my friends and enjoy life and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, it you know definitely a, a different situation. I don't know. That's a good question. Of would he be, would he be able to assimilate in now because. You got to keep in mind that Austin's a very liberal place in a very Republican state, mm-hmm. and he seems like he probably couldn't fit in outside of Austin, but I think right. he'd still be okay inside of Austin. Probably,
0: probably. Oh man, but he
1: would hate how gentrified Austin has become.
0: I, yeah, I, I, that's what I kind of feel like. He would a lot of the places that he would like to go, you know there there would be you know there would be some kind of like chain restaurant or something. Or, or, you know, some kind of chain movie theater next to the Emporium now. Or, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it just would, it would kind of lose its cool factor a little bit.
1: Yeah. Now here's another weird thing that I always found odd about this movie. When we talk about the Emporium, so you've got a whole bunch of kids that have graduated from high school and are about to go to college, but they're obviously still living there. And then you've got people that assumingly would have went to college or didn't go to college or are still in there. The Emporium and all these places, like all the paddling and all that, it's only people that are going to be seniors. No one from any other grade has ever seen in there. And I thought to myself, like, in real life, it wouldn't be only the seniors hanging out oh, at the Emporium. Oh, not at all. Yeah. You would have, I mean, it, it seems like the most awesome place ever. You would have all kinds of people hanging out there. You know, like, I feel like anyone 20 and under would hang out at the Emporium.
0: Oh, for sure. There's... I, how much harder do you think would actually be to track down some of these kids to paddle them if you were, oh, yeah. if you were, if you were Benny or Banyan, like how much harder would it be than just like driving around and like running into them every place you go?
1: Yes. Yeah. The, the funny thing also um, is with Obanion. So, you know, we have all these people in this movie that were not famous and went on to great fame. And a lot of them had a huge bump because of this movie. Ben Affleck stated that he had zero bump because of this movie. Cause his character was such an asshole and no one liked him that no one really wanted to hire him after
0: this. I completely, I, I can see that. I can 100% see that can uh, one, because I mean, he just, he played it. He's he's perfect for it. He is so perfect yeah. for it. This, I will say this is, this is where I could imagine you could swap Vince Vaughn out. I think Vince Vaughn would have been great at this part too. Um, oh, hundred percent. But he plays this so... He plays this so well. plays the jerk so well. Because he's... You can imagine, like, this... You know, this you know, tall, good-looking guy being a fucking jerk. Especially because he's... You know, he's also stupid because he's failing high school. Um, you know, he's he's going to be a year older than all the other seniors. Um, One of
1: my favorite lines is when he pulls up, Hey, did you hear that fucking idiot O'Banion flunk? Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, you, so you know that he's going to be a complete fucking jerk. He plays it so well. Um, can we... However... Obanion and Benny in modern times would be on some kind of like sex offender registry. These two are fucking oh, maniacs. Yeah. I, yes. I, they, they like the cops would know about them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um and you know when we talk about it's a very common topic about movies that could never be made today, right? Like can you imagine in 2024 this movie comes out and you got some 23 24 year old guy Trying to get high school girls' phone
0: numbers. <laughs> trying to get high school girls' phone numbers. Um, and then you have, you know, these, like, essentially 19-year-olds driving around harassing 14-year-olds, 13-year-olds, threatening to beat them yeah. up in the parking lot. It's insane. With a, with a trunk full of beer. With a trunk full of beer. It's insane. Which is, yeah, honestly, there's so many reasons why I understand why... Um, a lot of movies, you know, besides the the nostalgia factor, why a lot of movies get set in the past, because modern recent, you know, recent efforts, recent movies set in the 90s and 80s and stuff like that, I understand it, one, because there's no cell phones, which makes, cell phones can like cure so many movies if people could just talk to each other more easily, but yeah. there these situations don't exist in 2024, or 2014, yeah. or 2004 for that matter, this this whole seniors run, running around paddling the shit out of uh, incoming freshmen that's clearly something that happened you know could only have happened back then
1: yeah without a doubt without a doubt so all
0: right yeah. so here's okay so here's a couple we we've gotten to a couple of points here um you know I, we already mentioned multiple times this is a plotless movie um we've already mentioned this is truly one of the best independent films ever made i I also think about this, um, one of the main reasons why I'm sticking this in the vault, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is that this is absolutely a sort of signature Gen X movie, through and through. Gen X director, nostalgic for his own childhood, has all these very interesting, um, obviously 70s through 80s and 90s touches on it. Like, this is is almost like if you were to, I, I don't know, if you were to... If you were to like take an example of this is what filmmakers of this era, their voice, the the characters, this is like all very like exhibit A. This is what a Gen X movie is.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that you're you're right with that. I think that um, it's a it's a great example of someone. So it was made in the 90s. You know, Richard Linklater was high school age in the 70s it's a great example of someone trying to relive some of their glory days Mm -hmm. by making a movie like this. Um, And, you know, kind of in a way, maybe explaining to people like, listen, this is what we did. This is what it was like. This is how we had fun. This is what went on. This is some of the bullshit that we had to deal with. And yeah, maybe, um, maybe he never had to sign a waiver to play football or, Maybe he never, you know, had some of that kind of shit. But um, I think that a lot of this is probably born out of some kind of truth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. It's just, it, it's such a, I mean, the movie itself obviously is a little bit of a time capsule. But I mean, like, but just this, this style of storytelling, the, the, the story that's happening here, it is just so much a, like, if you and I were to make a movie about our, you know, wild high school lives, how, how different the experience would be. The things that we would talk about would be very different. Um, this is just stamped a, this is, even even Linklater's voice in later movies still has the, this, as I'll call it, this, um, have you ever seen A Scanner Darkly, perchance?
1: I know of it, but I've never seen it.
0: It's with um, it's with Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder, and a, actually, it's a, got a ton of really good actors in it. It's rotoscoped. It's interesting. It's very, very interesting. But it, it's it's a very it's um, essentially, it's it's a living, breathing conspiracy theory that movie. But even the conspiracy theory is born out of like the Gen X era of conspiracy theories, big government. You know, you're you're they're poisoning the waters. They're you know the the very not what conspiracy theories are now, but when you think of like X-Files era conspiracy theories, that kind of stuff, it's mm-hmm. even that movie is very much taking ideas that were taking ideas about like what the government's doing back from the 1970s and just transporting yeah. them into a movie from like 2004 or five, whatever it was. So it just like Linklater is very much a Gen X filmmaker. And this is maybe like the most, one of the most Gen X films ever made.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see that.
0: So when you think back
1: to this and are there like, is there a, an overarching theme of like why you love this movie, why you come back to it? What, what makes it so rewatchable for you? Is it, is it on your Mount Rushmore of movies or of comedy movies or anything like that?
0: I'll, I'll say this. It is just off the, the Mount Rushmore of movies for me, but it's one of those things that like, It's a movie that when you go back and rewatch it, um, it's a nice reminder. As I I told you, it's been several years since I've seen this. And there was stuff that just simple stuff that I forgot. There's scenes that I forgot. And like now watching them they're they hit different, but they're still funny. There's like new things that I pull out of this movie. Now, Um, you know, watching it. I think that's, and that's any movie. That's like your, one of your favorites. As you get older, you just see it differently. But oh, yeah, I, I you know, that's ev- that's everything. Right. But even when I pull new stuff out of it, it just it maybe in some cases makes the scene funnier or makes makes the scene hit differently. Like when when I was talking about, um, uh, you know, Pink's refusal to sign the, um, the the code of conduct, the you know first team, it's just so funny. Like now thinking about like it's so fucking meaningless, dude, just sign it. Like if you're. Yeah, especially knowing now what we know about sports. Dude, if you're good at football, the coach will let you murder someone, and and he'll hide yeah. the body. So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if, if if. But you know, now looking back at it, it's just like, oh, of course, like this dude's he's got to be rebellious. He's 17. He's got to do things his own way. That's just like what it. Like that's just what we were doing when we were that age. Um, or
1: think about like how many times in like the corporate world you have to do things. You're like, oh, this is bullshit, right? Yeah. But you just got to suck it up and do it right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. It's uh, it's someone who's never had to experience that
0: before. Exactly, exactly. So just this is why it's it's one of those movies that's super rewatchable for me. Um, probably not like the movies that I tend to watch highly regularly are like dumb comedies that like you don't even need to pay attention to. You can just like kind of listen for the jokes. Um, yeah, this is definitely like this is definitely like a you know what I'm I kind of I I want to I want to sit down chill out with an adult beverage or something a little bit more potent and just like let this thing like wash over me and like see what I'm going to pick up out of it out of this viewing. Um, and there's yeah. I don't have to I don't have too many movies like that where I'm just I have to sort of just like let the movie happen to me.
1: Mm-hmm. How about yeah, you? This is a uh, this is a great movie to uh, sit down, have a uh, have a gummy or whatever your thing of choice is. hmm right? And just sit on the couch and just enjoy it.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you, feel like, do you feel like this movie is... Do you feel like this movie is also sort of kind of in its own way like a little litmus test for how cool people are? Like when, when if, if you meet someone and they're like, yeah, I'm not really into that movie. And you're kind of like, huh, interesting. You might not be a I've very cool person. I've never thought about that.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, if someone yeah, if I met someone, they're like, Man, I thought Daisy Confused was terrible. I'd be like, What is wrong with you? A hundred percent. Like, uh why why did you not like this? Like yeah, I would have some questions without a doubt. It is a little bit of a litmus test.
0: Yeah, there's like it's um it, it's sort of like um oh gosh, I'm trying to think of a movie like just real quick, like I, I've heard people say they didn't like die hard that much before, and I'm like oh you don't like one of the greatest action movies literally one of the top five action movies ever made then yeah you don't know what action movies are like that's yeah you don't like go away please go away yeah and this is or have you
1: ever met someone they're like yeah Shawshank Redemption was just overrated
0: I, right now that I'm comparing
1: Shawshank to Dazed Confused no but you know there's certain things that we we're when you, when you meet someone you're like they're like I don't like this they're like I think the Beatles are terrible like even if you're not a huge Beatles fan, like you've got to respect where they're at. I, right? I am, There's certain things like that.
0: Exactly. I am. And I can tell you, I'm not really a particularly big Beatles fan, but what they mean to, what they mean to world pop culture, just world culture in general is undeniable. Like yeah. how many, how many musicians today wouldn't exist if the Beatles didn't do what they did.
1: Exactly. For sure.
0: Um, so for me, this is oh, on what? my
1: Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Um, I love everything about this movie. Um, I've seen it probably more than any movie ever. Uh I've been talking over and over about this book. That if you really like the movie, I hire it. I'm, I'm gonna have to check it out for read sure. the out. I'm gonna yeah, to check
2: it out. For it's
1: sure. uh it's an easy read. So the book, they interview everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is just the it's it's not a story at all. It's just clips of interviews. Like, well, this person said, you know, these four lines, you know, they these lines here and then hey matthew mcconaughey chimes in about oh here this here's what's mm-hmm. going on and then they'll have parker posey like well i remember this about this scene or whatever and just goes on and on and everyone is in this book uh affleck mcconaughey parker posey rory cochran jason london uh joey lauren adams cole they're all in there except for shawn who plays pickford and Milieovich, uh, neither of them are in there. And these cast members are um very open about their hatred of Sean Andrews.
0: <laughs> I you know, and it's what's really not surprising um is that like if you if you were to look up his IMDb I actually did I was curious, I looked up his IMDB. Um it's not surprising that he really posts this movie, he really peters out and he's in like some direct-to-video stuff you know from like 15 years like 15 years ago he's like in some direct-to-video stuff that looks like garbage um and you know it's like it's not that like there's other people from this from this movie who just didn't want to act anymore like they just stopped acting totally fine yeah. but it's very clear that like if it, it, i'm willing to bet that this reputation followed him around after this movie
1: oh i'm sure yeah yeah i'm Which, sure so. When,
0: when you get, when you get that kind of reputation, um, it really kind of stick, it really sticks with you. Do, you. do you, do you, ever watch Boardwalk Empire? Oh yeah. So, um, what's his face? Uh, Michael Pitt. Um, yeah. He apparently is a fucking nightmare. He will just not shower for a couple of days before a scene. Um, just cause he likes to fuck with people. Like he's really gross. Like he'll like go to shake hands with someone, like sneeze in his hand and like shake hands. He's just really obnoxious. And that's part of the reason why they killed him off in season two, because they just no they just didn't want to work with him. I mean, I think the character was heading that way regardless, but I, I think it was almost like a season early. They're just like we don't want to deal with Michael Pitt. Um, yeah, and not not shockingly, have you seen Michael Pitt in a lot of stuff since then? You have not. So I I wouldn't be shocked at all if Sean Andrews kind of burned up uh, burned up uh, you know the any bridge that would have like gotten him to uh, you know another interesting job. Um, yeah, so
1: I can eh. see that So one other thing that I want to bring up As we're,
0: yeah. as we're talking through We're kind of going through all this stuff
1: um, That is a, maybe a little bit of an underrated part of this movie But um, I've always loved The fucking cars In this movie Unreal I mean, okay So you start off very like first scene You've got Pickford's car He's got a 1978 1970 Pontiac GTO mm-hmm. It's orange and it's fucking awesome um, and like, that's a super cool car. Uh, Ben Affleck's character, O'Banion. His car is he's awesome. He's got a Plymouth duster that looks, it's that baby blue kind of duster that mm-hmm. that thing's pretty awesome. Um, Nikki Cat, he's got a Pontiac Trans Am with a Firebird on the, the hood. Mm-hmm. That Him and McConaughey are kind of talking about their engines. About yeah. Their cars. His car is awesome. For me, the best, Wooderson's car is the best one in this whole thing.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Uh, so he's got a 1970 Chevrolet Chevelle SS and it is just badass. Uh I feel like if I won the lottery and had, you know, some endless supply of money, um and I had like multiple cars and I'm not a huge car guy, but I would love to have an old muscle car and I feel like that one Waterson's car that 70 Chevelle SS might be the car I'd go with. Dude, it's it, just
0: awesome. So one of and I'll 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 tell you who this is off air. Um but one of our fraternity brothers had a, I, th- I think it was a 70 might have been a 72, but I think it was a 70 Chevelle SS that was like glossy black um with like a with like a leather black interior um and with like just two white stripes down the middle. Dude that thing was fucking that thing was just I mean, it was gorgeous. It, it just Yeah. It was just fucking sex in a car, dude. It was awesome.
1: Yes. I think the cars in this movie are very underrated. Um, but God, there's some good ones.
0: Dude, even I, I loved I loved all the old trucks too. Just those yeah. those those like kind of bubble bodied trucks from clearly from like the those had to be like from early to mid sixties. So even by even by, even in in, in nineteen seventy six standards, older cars, older trucks. But those like bubble body trucks were fucking awesome too. There was, is it Benny's does, got a good one? Yeah, yeah. Benny's got a good one, and I think the girls had this like bright blue truck. If correct me if I'm wrong, Darla's driving it.
1: Uh, I don't remember what kind of car they were in. I remember the, the girls driving around going to uh, to the burger place, but I don't remember what kind of car they were in.
0: Okay, I think you I might think, be right though. Yeah, I think I think Darla has this like bright blue truck that just looks pristine. It's awesome.
1: Yeah. The the one thing I remember the most about Benny's car is at the end of the moon tower party, he's sitting in a, a folding chair in his car. Or in that like the bed of his truck. And he goes to, like, get up. And we've all done this before. We're a little too fucked up. And he goes to, like, he's, like, halfway standing up. And immediately is like, nope, nope, got to sit back down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he's too hammered to get up. <laughs> and I always laughed at that scene. I always thought it was funny.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, Benny's, that black, that glossy black truck. Glossy black looks great on those square trucks, too. It looks fucking fantastic.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Dude, yeah, good, good call on that. The, the car stuff is... You know, it's it's funny. Like again, it's none of it's real. Other than the scene where um, where Wooderson, Wooderson and Clinton are talking to each other about the their engines, um, it's not like we're making any direct commentary. Again, this is just great screenwriting. We're not making any direct commentary, but we but clearly, car culture in Austin in the nineteen seventies was a big deal because of how well, I mean, yeah,
1: top notch burgers. That's it's a big part of it, right? Everyone's yep. driving around; they want to be seen in their cars. Yep,
0: yeah. Yeah, not not we don't we don't make a big deal of it. It's just like, hey, by the way, you can tell these people love their fucking cars. I mean, they're and they're, yeah. they look fantastic. Yeah. All right, so, um, so you're gonna leave a note when we put this thing away in the vault. You're gonna leave a note, just like a sentence or two, whatever, um, about whether it's future humans or aliens, whatever. Whoever finds this vault and finds dazed and confused. You're just going to leave a little note with this movie. What are What's your note going to say?
1: I think that I'm going to tell people, like, this is a prime example of teenagers struggling for
0: something to do
1: and how they had fun at this age.
0: All right. All right. I'm going to go. I like it. And I'm going to go. I'm going to kind of piggyback off that. I'm going to keep it real short. I'm going to use a quote. Just keep living, man. That's the note. got to keep on
1: living. L-I-B-I-M. On...
0: Yep, that's it. That's what I'm sticking right on there. And people would just kind of look at it and go like, oh, all right, watch the movie and you'll get it. You will get it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: All yeah, right. And it's, I mean, it's just terrific all over again. It's on my Mount Rushmore. I've seen it so many times. And um, yeah, I love everything about it. The one thing I don't know if I've seen is there... There are versions out there, like an extended cut version, with maybe like some some deleted scenes and yeah. stuff that
0: I'd like to check out. I've never seen it. I, you know, and, and I do, I do wonder. Yeah, like I, I'm kind of with you on that. I do wonder though if it's because there's I I know I remember I remember reading that a lot of the, a lot of the footage is just like gone, like you know it's like literally stuff was filmed and it's just gone because. I don't know I guess that was how you know it, movie making is not the same today that wasn't on a drive somewhere someone actually had to have film reels film reels actually had to be stored they probably got moved around a lot and then if so factor they get lost um, yeah just the way movies used to work back then but or they get damaged because you couldn't you know yeah. if it was in like a room that was too
1: hot or the sun or something like that yeah yeah,
0: yeah shit it just stuff that does not happen now to movies at all um, and you know you, you have like entire you have like entire long cuts of movies on the thumb drives um yeah but yeah so like i i do kind of wonder it's one of those things i do wonder if you know just to see it would be kind of interesting i wonder if it's any better or if it's any worse with more scenes yeah i mean
1: i i don't know if it's better or worse i feel like i'm just more interested in
0: just seeing what, what
1: it was that was cut yeah i know that there was supposed to be a, a lot more with um when they stole those statues and they made the kiss right. faces out of them yeah um, there was supposed to be a whole lot more with uh, how they took them and then decorating them and all that. And that kind of all got cut. Um, so some of that stuff I'd just be interested to see.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So we're going to wrap up here with a quick top five as selected this time by Rob Nugent. Um, so what, Nugent, what are we going to finish up Or What's our top five that we're going to finish up with?
1: Kind of an honor of days confused. I want your top five. High school, not college. High school party movies. So, a movie where the main theme or a big part of the movie is a large party in high school.
0: Okay, okay. So, I'm going to I'm going to start with my number five. Here is Eurotrip. Um, oh, that's a good one. I don't have that on my list. So, while it's not necessarily, you know, obviously the there's no partying. Well, there's plenty of partying throughout the movie. As they go on the, uh, the the titular Euro trip, the whole inciting incident is a high school party in which Scotty's girlfriend leaves him for Matt Damon. Uh, doing that, uh, Scotty doesn't know. Scotty doesn't know. Um, so the whole inciting incident starts there at a high school party, and thus sends everyone on their on their crazy Euro trip where they get drunk, have sex with people, and blah blah blah, so on and so forth. So my my number five Euro trip, kind of an underrated. Uh, You know, you want like you want to talk about like not something not being close to a Mount, uh, you know, Mount Rushmore type of movie, but still, but like everyone knows, Scotty doesn't know. Everyone like it's it's up there. It's it's a very quality comedy from uh, from our youth.
1: Also, that's the movie where all of a sudden you know, and we were all around the same age as the characters in that movie. Yeah, where all of a sudden everyone was like, "Oh, Michelle Trachtenberg's kind of hot."
0: Yep, exactly, one hundred percent.
1: Yeah. Correct Yeah good call good We call. were correct in that yep. uh, My number five I'm going to go um, Not a super well known movie But uh, I'm going to go with Project X Where ah, yes. uh, these kids Parents are out of town He wants to just have like Kind of a low key party But like trying to be cool And all that And it turns into the most Outrageous rager of all time
0: Yep i I've only ever seen clips And I feel like that's kind of the best way to see that movie? Just to watch the clips, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's not like the
1: the world's greatest movie by any means. Right. But
0: it's a good high school party movie. Right. Exa- exactly. Exactly. Uh, good choice. Very good choice. I feel like, was the point, like, this is, was that movie made, like, pre-2010? Uh, probably right around there. Maybe I, I, pre-2010, yeah. Wasn't the whole thing that, like they accidentally kind of tap into like early social media or YouTube or something. And that makes the party explode. Yeah. I think that that was like
1: the very early on of like, kind of like streaming stuff. And yeah, like that people are like uploading stuff from the party and all
0: that. Yeah. It was like kind of like an early commentary on like, on just on what social media would become like a few years later.
1: Yeah. Which, thank God, social media wasn't really around and like smartphones weren't around,
0: dear, when we were that age. Dear God, we wouldn't have gotten away with anything. Um, I would have
1: been canceled immediately.
0: Yep, yep, one hundred percent. All right, <clears throat> number four. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with a, a classic. I think um, I think a, a millennial classic is what I'll call it. Mean Girls. Gotta have Mean Girls on this list. Um, probably probably the last the last time that um that lindsey lohan was truly in in peak form both acting wise and looks wise um because yeah holy it didn't take long after this for things to go awry um but just a just a a quality a quality all-around movie we do obviously have some great party scenes um you know we have some blow like just thinking like this the small party with the cool moms um the, like just everything about this movie is classic even as again like i think um i think that this movie gets like a little bit more love than it necessarily deserves but it's still fucking great like there's still great characters uh, in this movie
1: uh also uh shout out my all-time favorite uh you know top uh, I guess like my all-time crush, celebrity crush, Lacey Chabert.
0: Oh, dude, yep, yep. She's oh. she's fantastic. I I've,
1: All-time number one right there. It's been that way since I was 19 years old. Exactly.
0: Uh, yeah. yep. Shout out to her. Exactly. Gretchen Wieners trying to make Fetch happen.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, for number four, I'm going to go to a, a movie very similar to Mean Girls, I feel like, but uh, like 15 years earlier. I'm gonna go clueless. Very nice, very good call. Um, I still remember, you know, big party in there, uh, mm-hmm. rolling with the homies. Yep. Um, yeah, great movie. Uh, Paul Rudd hasn't aged; still looks the <laughs> same as he did back then. <laughs> I, I don't know what this guy does, but I need some of that.
0: You, Paul Rudd probably like Paul Rudd probably like once a year just like eats a live baby. And that's his Something. dark secret.
1: Yeah. Also, um, super creepy looking back at it that he gets together with basically his stepsister.
0: Yep, a little bit. I I, mm. I I. mean, I understand that like, they're not like... I, they're I really not blood-related, but it's still weird. Correct me if I'm wrong. They didn't really grow up together, right? Like They've, they've yes. only known each other a couple of years or whatever. Correct. So I think it's okay. If they had like if they had been like essentially been like from age five onward brother and stepsister now you're getting into weird territory because blood or not you have grown up with this person you know what i mean yeah that's yeah i don't know we're getting to some weird territory with that one but yes yeah love it good call um but at least yeah, still
1: good party movie
0: yeah absolutely uh my, you got for
1: number three?
0: Number three, gotta go with it. Another, another, uh, I guess another millennial classic. Super bad. Um, had to go. Yeah. Super bad. The little dorky kids trying to lose their virginity. Um, and at, at, at least I think there's at least two like sort of major parties in this movie. Um, and uh, like kind of remembering the very very particular the party scene where they sing. Um, it's a it's a fucking Who song where uh michael Sarah lies and says oh yeah like i'm this great i'm this like great budding singer and um he gets challenged to sing a song so he sings this who song and it's terrible but like great at the same time um <laughs> I, I i just i love i love that era in particular love that era of uh jonah Hill and michael Sarah too they're fucking fantastic
1: i feel like i could be 70 years old i'm still watching super bad
0: oh for sure for sure
1: it, that, yeah, that movie won't ever go. So I'm gonna flip mine. Instead of number three, I'm gonna give you my number two. My number two is super bad. Oh, okay, um, perfect. And, and yeah, it, I feel like it's it's such a good movie. There's so many just funny ass parts of that. And uh, my stepson Dominic, who is 15 years old, um, he decided to buy like some stuff for his room online. Um, he got like an American flag that he wanted to hang in his room. He got an Italian flag that he wanted to hang in his room. He has also a third flag. It is uh, Mohammed's driver's license from <laughs> uh, from Superbad as a flag hanging in his room right now. Awesome. Um, awesome. Yeah. And I, it, it just always cracks me up. Like, well, why would you name Mohammed? Uh, it's the most common name on the fucking planet. Read a book sometime. <laughs> it's just, God, everything. Hysterical movie. Absolutely has to be high on the list. Yeah, I'm with
0: you. First, dude, for sure, 100. God, that is Dom. Dom gets some points there. Dominic get some points, yeah, there for sure. Yeah. All
1: right.
0: All right. Uh, so what oh, you got at number two? Number two, I got to go with the OG, um the one that they have remade, and obviously uh, a lot of these party movies owe a lot to it. Got to go with the original House Party. Kid and Play. It's a, it's a, it's a very solid movie. It probably would mean a little bit more if we grew like if we grew up in the 80s and or if we were black, might mean a little bit more. But it's still, a, dude, it's still a good movie. It's still a very good watch. It's a, I want to say it's a really quick, like 89 or like 93 minutes, something like that. Like it's a quick, breezy, funny watch. The movie's still great.
1: Terrific movie. Uh, they were just in a Super Bowl commercial.
0: Yep, yep.
1: And at the end, the guy knocks over uh, the thing and it's got his... His old hairdo, that that super high hairdo thing (laughs) that he had. Um, Yeah, yeah, great call on on House Party. Gotta do it. So, uh, so my, I had super bad for number two, so I'll give you my number three. Can't Hardly Wait. Oh man, good call, good call. Jennifer Love Hewitt. Um, You know what, so Dave Janis, who we both know, Mm -hmm. still throws out the line sometimes of... uh, like the the main tough guy in the movie when like he gets embarrassed and everyone's looking at him and he kind of looks around and goes, I'll kick everyone's ass in this room right now. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah, terrific movie. Love it. Um, Yeah, gotta be on there. Uh, Solid party scene at the end. Uh, Seth Green in a hysterical role in that movie as the guy uh, with like the ski goggles Mm -hmm. and like the outrageous outfits. Yeah, awesome
0: can't hardly do i forgot about that one that's a that's a great choice excellent choice yeah. though
1: i'm wondering if we're gonna have the same number one here
0: probably and i think it deserves to be the number one in my opinion so american pie yes yeah 100 it deserves yes. to be number one it, it it's got to
1: be number one first of all uh it coined the term milf
0: yep no, yep no one really
1: had heard that term before right coined the term milf um like much like Days of Confuse, kind of launched the careers of some people. A lot of people. Right? Oh, for sure. Tara Reed, Stifler, which I don't even care what his name is. His name is going to be Stifler, Stifler. in every yeah. movie from now on. <laughs> right? Uh, Jason Biggs, no one knew before this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it kind of uh, kind of helped uh, with Thomas Ian Nicholas kind of get back. You know, he, he had Little Big League and that King Arthur kind of movie, yep. but this kind of vaulted him into – I'm getting older, and I'm going to take on oh, right. Some, going to know, do some adult roles, some better yeah. roles. Um, yeah, in American Pie, awesome. American Pie Two, awesome. All the rest, nope.
0: Don't mm. need to see them. You don't need to see the rest of them. You don't yeah. need to see them. the The first, the first one especially is fantastic. As you said, coining the term MILF um, is fantastic. Uh, just the whole. Just the, uh, the the interactions with um, with Stifler's mom, uh, yeah. like those those conversations, they're priceless, dude. It is so fucking funny. Jennifer Coolidge, un- like I've known Jennifer Coolidge has been funny forever, and I'm I'm glad that like young people now are discovering how fucking funny Jennifer Coolidge is. She is so great in that movie. The uh, um, uh, Eugene Levy as the dad mm-hmm. is absolutely fantastic as Jim's dad. It it's, oh God, just everything about this movie, Stifler's idiocy, it's fantastic. It is the number one party movie of all time. And yeah. I think it, here's here's how you can tell that it's the number one, is that it's the only one to spawn sequels. Yeah. Right? It was the only one that had enough behind it. They're like, okay, we got to try to keep doing this again.
1: Yeah. And you know what? Again, this is a movie that... I could put on right now and I would still die laughing oh, at wh- how funny it is.
0: When it's still sort of, I know that it's coming and it still sort of catches me off guard in a funny way when Alison Hannigan talks about shoving the flute up her pussy. Like, yes. It still fucking hits. It's still hysterical when you find out, like, oh yeah, the band people, they're all perverts. Um, they're all per, it's hysterical. So,
1: all right, think about this. How many, if we're talking about launching careers, right? Days Confused did that a lot. If you look at this movie, you've got Chris Klein, you've got Jason Biggs, you've got Stifler. This introduced Jennifer Coolidge to everyone our age because before that, we didn't know who she was, really. She was was doing all the Christopher Guest
0: stuff. stuff, All the, yeah, yeah. All the improv stuff. stuff. that we would
1: watch, right? Mm -hmm. Allison Hannigan, um, John Cho, I think, was in Harold and the Kumar movies. Correct, yep. Yeah, before this, no one really knew who he was. Um, yeah. Uh, Shannon Elizabeth.
0: Oh yeah. This was, this was not her first first movie. This was her first, um, this was like the, yeah, this was like the big breakout. She was in movies prior to this. Um, she's actually in like this awful horror comedy called Jack Frost, where she definitely gets raped by a snowman, um, (laughs) raped to death by a snowman. And like Alison Hannigan was like a kid actress, but certainly this was like her breakout 100%.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean it we're, was
0: yeah. We're for, we're even um I know we're forgetting someone big on this too. Um Oh god, I'm Natasha Leone, um Oh yeah. Mina Suvari, uh Finch, Eddie K Thomas. I mean this really like pushed literally like 10 people into, you know, into the into like the the pop culture zeitgeist all at once. This is another one, like we talked about with Daisy
1: Infused. If I met someone, they're like, I really don't like American Pie. I would be like, what the hell is wrong with you? Uh,
0: ex- exactly. I think American Pie certainly has some, like, upon reflection 25 years later, there's some, like, scenes you're like, ooh, uh, you know, like, some kid just drank piss or, like, what? I mean, you know, there's some stuff where you're like, okay, it's a little weird, but it's not, yeah. it, it holds up so well still. It, it, you're right, yes. another litmus test movie. yeah. Absolutely. I, solid list. Very solid list. Um, I will say this though. Do you, have you ever noticed in any high school or otherwise, any kind of party movie that the party is nothing like a real party? Like you'll just have like every, like you'll walk into the house, 70 kids, they're all dancing. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Incorrect. Incorrect. Yeah. Um, Me and my friends would have been sitting over a corner, fucking getting high and like punching each other in the nuts. That's how yes. I, like we partied, but like you wouldn't I, have I would everyone have the guy in the
1: corner, Hoping I can steal a beer somewhere.
0: Ex- exactly. Just one of the, just one of those things I always pick up whenever there's like a big, a big party scene in, in a, in a movie. I'm just like, they do not look like this. Have you people ever been inside of a party before?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, there's a, also just like some clever stuff that like, you know, when, uh, when Jim like um, when there's no other way to say it when he comes like twice when nothing's (laughs) even happened yet. Right. Uh, You know, the apple pie scene, you know, American pie where the the name came from, like that's insane. Like just some of that stuff where you're just like, Oh my God. But I mean, just funny as fuck.
0: Mm -hmm. God, it's such a fucking great movie. Um, Yeah. yeah, Fucking love it. So I don't know any, any final thoughts here on Days and confused before we wrap up. You know,
1: I think that we've, uh, we've been through, uh, through most of it. Um, I think that my, my final thought is, um, I wish I had the Emporium when I was that age. Uh, I still think that the Emporium is, to me, this just mythical, amazing space that I would give anything for.
0: I, I, I'm with you on this and I'll add to it. I, I wish when I was that age, um, no adult had any concern for my well being. <laughs> have just gotten away with anything i wanted to
1: yeah i mean it was literally whatever you want to do it was the wild west back then
0: i like seriously i remember one time getting caught going midnight sledding with friends and like the cop reading us the riot act and i'm just like you know we could be out doing drugs and like instead we as like 17 year old seniors have chosen to go sledding
1: (laughs) There's a life of crime ahead of you. I'll tell
0: you what. Ah, anyway. Yeah. Bring bring back back the Emporium is is the final message here.
1: No doubt. No doubt.
0: Nugent, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. Could not imagine having this discussion. First off, I couldn't imagine having this particular discussion by myself. Would have been... Yeah. I I mean, would have still done it. But thank you for adding uh, quite a bit of flavor and context to all this, man. This is really great. I am always happy to be on the podcast,
1: friend in the pod. Love it. Always happy to be here. Super pumped that uh, when I got that text from you a few weeks ago that said, I would to do one on Days Confused, you know I was straight in as soon as I saw that. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed doing the research for this one. Uh, always great to talk to you, my man.
0: Absolutely, man. Great to talk to you, too. Uh, thanks, everyone out there for listening, downloading, subscribing. Um, we will. Uh, we have one more episode this month uh, it's to be determined exactly what I'm going to be doing uh, i got to get in contact with some people but we have one more episode coming out this month and uh, that'll wrap it up but I think um, it, I can already tell so far Nuge this is the highlight of the month for me I love talking about this movie love having a discussion with you it was fantastic why don't you uh, lead us out of here
1: alright I will end this in the only way that we can in the words of Slater Check you later, check you later.